0: On behalf of AFI, the Australian Association for Flexible and Inclusive Education, I am pleased to introduce our newest baby, AFI in Conversation, a podcast series designed especially for flexi folk everywhere. In each episode of AFI in Conversation, we will meet and yarn with people from across the flexible and alternative education sector. Episode 1 features Dale Murray and Professor. Kitty Terrell, as they discuss research plus practice equals magic. I hope you enjoy. This episode was produced for AFI by Megan Hall with music by Steve Crump.
1: Hi, all, and it's an absolute pleasure to be here on our first podcast. Just as we begin, can I acknowledge the country? Today, we stand in footsteps millennia old, and may we acknowledge the traditional owners whose cultures and customs have nurtured and continue to nurture this land since men and women awoke from the great dream. We honour the presence of these ancestors who reside in the imagination of this land and whose irrepressible spirituality flows through all creation. We acknowledge this is, was, and it always will be First Nations land. Hi, hi everyone. Uh, it's My name's Dale Murray, and I have here with me Kitty Tyrell. G'day, Kitty.
0: Hey, Dale.
1: Um, we'll do a quick introduction each so people know a little bit about us, and then we'll start this conversation, which is all about um, magic and practice coming together. So... Um, Uh, uh, I've been involved in kind of flexible learning and education now for over 35 years and was really fortunate to be involved in developing a whole range of uh, schools, FLEXI schools across the country, uh, and more recently have moved to a new role in developing education support for people uh, in out-of-home care with a national um, out-of-home care and residential agency. Katie.
0: Thanks, Dale. I've been doing research around flexies or alternative education for more than twenty years, um, all around all around Australia. And um, you know, I, I I could never be a, a teacher or a youth worker. I, I haven't got those skills, um, but I have a heart for these young people. And I think, well, if if through research I can contribute a bit to you know, supporting the people who do work directly with the young people, then, then that's a good thing for me to do.
1: Well, absolutely, Kitty. And I know you don't want me to do this, but I, I know you've written over 100 um, journal entries, chapters, books um, on on this research. You're, you're, and in that time, the key focus that I can see, and that is this idea of um, uh, social justice, equity, and um, working to expose or disenfranchise disenfranchisement for young people in this country and and abroad, so um, I think you've done an enormous amount to bring to this this new developing sector. Which kind of brings us to, um, we we go back some 10 plus years now, Um, I think we've been trying to work, you know, we've been thinking about how long we've known each other. Um, And in that time, we've done a lot of things together. Um, there's been quite a few opportunities to, to bring kind of the idea of our practice and the research together over that time. And I guess that the first big, big one of those intersections was the, um, the putting the jigsaw together project. And um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on where we are, where that began for you and kind of where it's traveling now. Kitty?
0: Mm, thanks, Dale. Yeah, so that, that project was funded by the, um, the Ian Potter Foundation and it came out of the mm. sense that there's so many of these kind of flexible learning programs or alternative schools all over the country, all kind of working in isolation from each other, um, often getting a bit of funding from philanthropics like the Ian Potter Foundation, but being quite fragmented. And so, um, so what we proposed and, and what the foundation really liked is to say, well, let's get an overview of all of those programs around the country rather than just having bits and pieces of of knowledge about them. Um, So that was a great project. It gave us a chance to look at how many programs there are. And and at the time when we did that scan, you know, we found that there was more than 900 of these kind of programs. Some of them are standalone schools, some of them are programs within schools, and of course some of them are programs within um, TAFE you know adult and community education um and then we also did some case studies of a few um eight actually eight sites to yeah. kind of highlight in more detail how do they work you know what is it that works well what kind of outcomes are, are they trying to achieve and of course one of your um one of your flexies, dale yes was, um was one of the the case studies um you know, when when people go, you know, members of AFI go into the member portal, they can get that that big report, you know, the final report, but they can also mm. get all those case study reports um, from the eight mm. eight sites that we looked at. And like when we say, you know, research plus practice is magic, well well one of the big things that, that, that was magical about this collaboration between research and practice was that it really shone a light on on flexes and alternative education being a sector. It might, yeah, indeed. it might come across as being fragmented, but actually mm. so many programs, so many kids, so many staff involved, it's a sector of education. And that's where you and I really started talking, didn't we, about, well, well what does this mean? Well, indeed. And I
1: remember, because th- um, I'd been travelling around the country sort of putting these things together and starting to talk with a whole range of people that were doing this work um, and people we were bumping up against in, you know, at the back of, you know, Alice Springs or what over in the Western Geraldton, etc., all sort of saying similar things to to us. Um, are we doing the right thing? Um, we need somewhere to have a yarn about how we make sure we're kind of sharing practice and thinking about how does this. How's this actually going to work um, can is there advice on this and I think the, the putting the jigsaw together was a, a really foundational document for the for for the developing sector um, which kind of led us to thinking about a conference if memory serves uh, mm. <laughs> yes.
0: no that that's right, so that was like the first medical outcome right that we said
1: indeed, indeed let's, yes. let's
0: bring these people together. Because both, you know, through my research, but also through your practice, we had heard people say, we want to come together, we want to share practice, but there's nowhere for us to do it. Um, and so mm. we had that first, you know, doing a school differently conference in in Melbourne. Mm. Um, and, and it was just amazing. You know, when... When you and I, together with Barry Street, started to set up this conference, but well, we didn't know, didn't we, how it was going to pan out? <laughs> and to actually have more than five hundred people from all over the country come come together, um, and all from that kind of, you know, flexi alternative kind of sector, and and you know, I had a look at um, at some of the the responses that we got from people in, you know, in the evaluation and they were saying mm. things like having a conference where we're with people working in the same sphere and not having to have that kind of please explain conversation um, for Sure. Yeah. and the yeah. networking and the sharing and, and the passion for the, for the sector mm. because you all know that you're working with the same kinds of kids and you're trying to achieve the same kind of, Outcomes, you know, for your young people. So I think that's been absolutely magical, and then being able to repeat it two years later in twenty eighteen on, on the Gold Coast with even more people, and again all that passion, um, it was it was pretty magical.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely! I just remember uh, on the Gold Coast conference coming out at um, the evening on the second night and the place was just packed and, but the buzz in the room was um, very exciting. The other thing that kind of struck me about the Gold Coast one was um, how the audience had sort of expanded to um, people from um, more people from the mainstream sector who were kind of going, well, what's going on here? We're interested in this because, you know, we've often said, I think that there is a fair bit going on in the flexible learning sector that is lighthouse material for the mainstream, you know, and I think that that I really was really blown away with how many people are kind of intersecting from those different perspectives at that conference. Um, you know, and we would have had exactly the same thing in 2020, except um, uh, and we promised we wouldn't use the word COVID, but here it is, uh, <laughs> that COVID hit. But anyway, 2022, we're back on the, back on the radar in Adelaide. Um, I guess... Um, which we're really excited about and people um, listening uh, in members will be knowing about this So, and um, excited to come to the Adelaide conference, I'm sure. Um, one of the things that came out of the first conference, though, was this idea of um, the sector again and what does that look like? And I remember that we put it to the conference. Um, what would people think about in relationship to developing a national kind of group, um, like to build the capacity for a, not a peak body as such, but something that kind of has a bit of representation. And, and we, pu- we put a, um, a survey out to, the, to, the, to the, those assembled on, you know, um, would you support the development of a nat- national flexible learning options working group that would meet a couple of times a year and the group would potentially focus on advocacy, research, voice and a knowledge exchange. And out of the um, people that participated, which was about 340 or so, um, you know, 97% went absolutely yes. And with comments like we're interested in any ideas you may have um, that we can share nationally on flexible learning. We want we want um, connection to research and practice, um, which is kind of, you know, the, the, what we're talking about today. And people wanted more of that um, um and the idea that the sector was actually starting to grow and develop and we wanted that sector has an important kind of responsibility to think about advocacy and improving learning outcomes for young people. Um, so that really led to um, the, the breakfast meeting I remember we had in Melbourne, Kitty, where we, after breakfast we were walking up the road back to an office and we were brainstorming what are we going to call this thing? And I think it was, um, well, that's where we landed AFI. Yeah, and you know, the members will be listening to that. So, if you want to know where the the actual uh, the Australian Association of Flexible Inclusive Education comes from, it's um Kitty and I walking up a road in uh, Church Church Street, I think, in Melbourne. Yeah, mm,
0: that that's right. But but it very much came out of the you know the buzz that we had at that first DSD conference. Um, and then putting it, you know, putting it to the people who'd attend it, well, you know, yeah. is this of interest? Um, and, and we were really blown away that there was such overwhelming support um, to not only keep going with the conference, but also to have that kind of organisation that, you know, would help the sector to come together and, and to share ideas, so, yeah, that was, that was you know, a, a fair bit of magic came out of that first oh. kind of bringing together of research and practice.
1: Um, and it's, uh, it's extraordinary, the amount of magic. And then the research continues. And I know that you've, all, you've been involved in ongoing um, ARCs. I think there was um, one that was really about um, learning from Flexis how to reimagine mainstream schools. Um, and you want to have a quick yeah, talk about that piece?
0: Yeah, so that was another one that uh, you know you and I were both involved in. It was an ARC Discovery project. So one of the one of the um, um, Youth Plus sites was a was a site in that research, but we can't name it because you know it's it's all it's all confidential. Um, but it meant that we were able to to continue collaborating there between you know your practice and, and our research. And it was a project that involved uh, Martin Mills and, and Glenda McGregor from yes. Queensland and, and right. Deb Hayes from New South Wales and, and I was in Melbourne at the time. And it was really looking at kind of um, the lens of social justice um, and and how how Flexis work through that lens of social justice to improve outcomes for young people, particularly around um, being able to complete school. Mm. Um, and yeah to me the, the magic of that one was very much that kind of learning from what happens in flexis to inform the mainstream and um we ended up um we ended up writing a a book with the research team and it included Esper barutzis as well um the book's published through Pelgrave and it's called reimagining schooling for education socially just alternatives and and that title was because we had a sense that so often the experience of school for, you know, for our kids, is that it works against education. Yeah. It works against learning. Yes. And we were trying to say, well, actually, when we look at how it works in flexies, you can see how schooling can work for learning, for education, and actually be socially just.
1: It's interesting, isn't it? That's you know the whole piece for me, and that was the idea of how we reposition authority between adults and young people, and mm-hmm. um, and many flexies as their kind of pedagogical framework, in a sense, that's their starting point, That that's that repositioning idea. And then, the, you know, the access to knowledge comes from a very different relationship um, that is created in those spaces. Um, I think that's some of the stuff that uh, the mainstream schools are really interested in trying to, um, you know, understand how you can do that on scale and, in, you know, in, in environments. But there's a lot of competition in that space, isn't there, when you think about the what is a very crowded curriculum um, and we're talking about repositioning power.
0: Yeah, Um, that's, that's right. But that was absolutely, it's a big part of social justice to not just be doing it to the young people, but to say, well, in fact, the young people are a key partner, Mm -hmm. not just at the receiving end and we should take seriously, you know, what their contributions are and and invite them to have Mm -hmm. a say.
1: Well, and, and in many ways, if you think about the 21st century skills and, that we need for young people to have, um, that sort of democratization of those spaces are essential, you know. And really, it's voice that we want young people to have. And given that we've, um, given that we've got, you know, some huge issues that we face as a community, you know, nationally, young person voice is essential to be privileged. I think. Um, mm.
0: No, that's yeah. right. Mm. And and then there was another big ARC project that you and I were both involved yeah. in. But mm. you were actually, like, instrumental in driving that one and, you know, bringing up the idea and saying we need some research um, about mm. gauging the value of, of flexis So how did that come about?
1: Uh, I was pretty fortunate there. Um, did a Churchill at one point. And... Um, went to uh canada the states and the uk and kind of everywhere i visited there looking at various things that those those countries were doing it struck me that most providers and most systems had like a one pager that said you know if you invest this amount of money here your social return on investment for this cohort will be this and i came back here and there'd been little bits and pieces of that in australia but not not significant you know and um so I remember having a conversation with Professor Sue McGuinty up at uh, JSTU and talking about that. And Sue just said, well, you know, that is an absolutely a, a piece of research we need to do. And, and so that, again, was this, you know, practice and magic coming together. And we all got together around that one. And I mean, some of the highlights from that, um, to me, from an economic, social, return on investment point of view was, um, you know, for every dollar invested in flexible learning in Australia, um, so, so you know, as a community, we're likely to accrue between you know five point nine and say seventeen and a half dollars in return. Um, so that has you know, when you sort of map that out against the you know there are approximately seventy thousand young people that are engaged in sort of flexible, you know, those sorts of arrangements, it can generate over you know nearly sixteen and a half billion dollars in social return on investment across. Um, the nature of these programs, just simply by that access and engagement. So I think those sorts of figures are, you know, fundamental to um, to governments to go. Hang on, th- this this is a really important piece we need to keep an eye on. And again, um, I thought a great opportunity for this to be disseminated out through AFI. And um, you know, and AFI is continuing to do some um, now in more um, uh, deliberate ways, um, uh, uh, signing up to research opportunities um, that are happening. Um I was thinking also uh, there were some mentions of some publications from the report and they're included on, the, on the, that economic return piece. They're available on the members' portal as well if people want to have a look at those. So, um, Kitty, I know we're going to crunch down to time here in a minute, so I'm just interested in um, what are you doing now?
0: Mm. So I'm, I've moved to Tasmania almost five years ago. So I'm at the University of Tasmania now, which I absolutely love. It's it's such a wonderful place to live and work. Um, and, and I work in a centre that's a partnership between the university and, and the state government. So it gives me a chance to do a lot of research on kind of um, – innovations and pilots that particularly the Department of Education in Tasmania is trying out and, and then we you know we help evaluate that so it means it's got immediate um, impact you know on on the ground working really closely um, w- with practitioners uh, which for me all, all, you know always is, is the best thing and another thing that we've done in in the past year is is to look at um, the impact of the pandemic. Sorry, mentioning it again, but the impact of the of the of the pandemic in relation to education, mm-hmm. and particularly in relation to equity. Yeah. Um, so, you yeah. Know, What has yeah. this meant, particularly for for you know children and young people from more vulnerable backgrounds? And um, you know, quite quite a few of the of the members of AFi have been involved um, as participants in in that research, making sure that know, the flexible learning sector gets to have a voice there as well. Um, and at the Excellent. moment, we're, we're working on a, you know, on, on a book looking at well, what can we learn about education and equity from that experience. Okay. So what, what about you? What what are the, the new uh-huh. research projects that you're involved in?
1: Um, well, yeah, thanks. Um, so I'm doing uh, another ARC linkage um, with... Uh, Martin Mills and Glenda, uh, which is a really exciting piece of work. And that's thinking, looking at supporting teachers and teaching in flexible and non-traditional schools um, that are serving, you know, vulnerable young people. Um, That's up and running at the moment. I'm also involved in an NHMRC project called Grand Schools, which is looking at um, the development of uh, intergenerational models of senior um, aged care living with school campuses um, as a wide range of... um, uh, industry partners and that, but I, I think there's a fair bit of transferability in that project. Um, uh, it's, um, there's obviously sort of design pieces, but there's also this social piece around different um, segments of the community thinking about coming and, and living together. And I can imagine things like residential care for out-of-kids and out-of-home care and aged care on a shared campus with an education space could be a really interesting kind of support structure, because there's big gaps between young and old in this country. And and so the grand schools ones are really interesting one. If anyone's interested, you can search grand schools and you'll see that, yeah. Um, So that's a couple of the pieces um, Mm. that I'm working on, plus this role with um, this new organisation Life Without Barriers as their education director,
0: Mm.
1: which is exciting.
0: It, 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 it is, it's fantastic that you're able to bring all your expertise to, to you know, some of the kids who, who need our support, you know, the most in, in out-of-home care. Yep. So, so what, Dale, what do you think the future holds for Flexies?
1: Really good question. You know, um, one of the things I have noticed is in one of the pieces of research I'm doing the, um, with Glenda and Martin, uh, um, is the growth in special assistance schools nationally, there's a lot now, you know, they've kind of gone everywhere. It'll be interesting to see if those schools can maintain their, um, uh, their true sense of purpose, their true north. And if you think about that and, and hold their, their intentional difference over time, Um, it's always been a kind of complex thing to be on the fringes of things and stay there, particularly when you're being funded. So (laughs) it will be interesting to see that, if that's possible, um, I think there is um, lots of uh, spin off out of Flexi into the mainstream, particularly. Um, you know, uh, when you think about trauma-informed education and some of the really good work that, say, um, Berry Street's done with Tom's work, etc., and how that's rolled out, and you know, you talk to a lot of mainstream schools have got the, across the country that have been influenced by that work now, which is really important for um, all, all classrooms to have a deep understanding of you know um, developmental trauma and what that what that can what sort of impacts that can have on on learning for young people. So I think that's been really interesting. Um, It'll be interesting to see um, where there might be potential intersections between flexible learning and mainstream and what comes out of that, um, both, as I mentioned, in terms of the grand schools project. Is there a possibility to actually um, co-create uh, aged care, young person care, um, you know, employment, like hub kind of arrangements? I think that's got great potential. I know there's some work going on in uh, the northern suburbs of South Australia around a kind of a one-stop shop kind of thing that Ed's doing there. It's a very interesting project. So there's, you know, there's lots of interesting stuff happening around the nation for sure. Having said that, we're still aware that there are a lot of young people not going to school and not being supported. So I don't know that we've sort of um, solved that issue. I mean, I think um, uh, Dr. Jim Watterson's paper a a year ago or so, you know, identified 50-odd thousand young people just not at school, you know. So these things are still with us, yeah? and yourself what do you think
0: i uh, absolutely on the ball there around, around you know around the sector and, and around the ongoing need for for this work both in in Flexis and and in, in mainstream schools um, but of course the other thing about you know the the future for flexies is is you know afi and and yes. what we in in, in afi um, can do um to you know, to to keep domestic happening, to keep to keep the support going on, and and some of the things that you know we've been talking about with the, the AFI board is to develop some more opportunities for members to have inputs, act, yeah. you know, be actively engaged with, with AFI, for example through through special interest groups. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we've got the podcast, and obviously we've got you know doing school differently um, next year in, in in Adelaide. So we have, um, you know, we have a positive. Th- Lots of positive things happening for, for the future of Flexis through, uh,
1: through AFI. Um, look, thanks, Kitty. And I, I'm conscious that we've, we've probably used up all the time and a bit more. So can I um, say thanks to you, Kitty, for um, spending some time? Um, and thanks to everyone listening for the, to the podcast and their membership and support of AFI and encourage um, for every one of you to go out and find another member and sign them up because um, the more the merrier. Um, but also not just the the, you know, the support, but for AFI, but for the thousands of young people you support across the country and help them to sort of reach their educational potential. Um, so thank you very much for spending some time with us on this first ever AFI podcast. Um, stay tuned, more to come.
0: We hope you can join us for our next episode when Dale Murray yarns with John Davis from the Stronger Smarter Institute. Until then, take care.